Hey friends, welcome back to the Journal Feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. Okay, let's see what we're going to cover from this week. First, should we be mentioning race at the beginning of case presentations? After that, pre-hospital glucagon for our not-so-sweet patients. Third, a spoonful of all you need to know about managing spinal stenosis. From the fourth article, try out a little vapo-coolant before you do that digital block. And then finally, we talk a bit about a mystery ECG. If you're hearing this right now, then you are unfortunately not a Journal Feed subscriber and so are not receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only receiving a portion of the past week's summaries. Don't worry though, I, I really do try to pick my favorites. But if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you can become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org, where remember, if money is at all a barrier for you, then please send us an email, reach out. We've helped many people already. We could help you too. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by the adept Aaron Lacey, Megan Hilbert, Keaton Patel, and Clay Smith. Okay, let's jump straight over to the fourth article titled Evaluation of Vapal Coolant Spray Effect on Pain Reduction During Digital Nerve Block, a randomized clinical trial out of the American Journal of Emergency Medicine. Regional anesthesia is awesome. The biggest shame about it is that unfortunately I have to stab my patients in order to take away their pain or prevent further pain. It's the lesser of two evils, sure, but I want my lesser evil to be as lesser as possible. Topical lidocaine is nice in theory, but it's kind of slow. What I'm just hearing about for the first time, and what this study is about, is vapo-coolant, which could be an option. So I looked it up. It's kind of a compressed bottle of ethyl chloride that you can spray on the skin. This ethyl chloride almost immediately evaporates once it's out. And so, since we know how sweating works, evaporation cools you down. This allows for very fast numbing of the skin, thus hopefully reducing pain. There is also some effect directly on local ion channels. Now, this has been shown to work in reducing pain for IV cannulation and for vaccines, so, I mean, why not digital blocks? These authors did a prospective randomized study, which they called blinded. Patients were randomized to get no spray or vapocoolant spray. The spray group was subdivided then into spraying only one side of the finger or both sides of the finger. Afterwards, a digital block with a 27-gauge needle and lidocaine was done. They say that the physician doing the block was blinded to the study, but they also describe that the skin turns white because of the spray. That sounds like a pretty obvious tell for which patients are going to be in the treatment group and which are not, especially if only one side of the finger is white. I'll give them credit that they did clean with an iodine solution, which could have hidden this, but they didn't describe when or by who the iodine was actually applied by, and it sounds like the cleaning of it was done by the doctor who actually did the digital block, which makes the most sense. Really, all I'm asking is that if you want to go through all the effort of blinding a study, then ask those who are supposed to be blinded whether or not they think they're in the treatment group or not, and then you can see if your blinding actually worked. Now, blinded researchers, who were probably actually blinded, then asked the patients to rate the pain of the procedure on a visual analog scale. The patients reported significantly lower pain scores in the vapocooling group. Pretty good. But it was only better if you sprayed both sides of the finger. Also, I mean, that makes sense. This is a very easy and non-invasive way to make this procedure more tolerable for our patients. In a spoonful, just to take the edge off getting a digital block, you could consider using vapocoolant. 
And then why don't we go over to the fifth article titled, An Unusual Wide Complex Rhythm, What is the Diagnosis Out of the JAMA Internal Medicine? Now here's a nice little case report where some cardiologists were handed a bit of a mystery. An 80-year-old man was referred for further workup after an ECG was ordered by the primary care physicians and turned up with some irregularities. Namely, the ECG, can be, which can be seen on the blog, shows a right bundle branch block pattern and negative P waves, as well as prominent Q waves in leads 1 and AVL. So, what causes negative P waves? Well, if you put the leads on wrong, then you could reverse them, but you'd expect to reverse more than just the P waves. You'd also expect leads 2, 3, and AVL to switch. Another option is a left atrial rhythm then that wouldn't really necessarily explain the Q waves unless this patient had a previous MI, which was not in keeping with this patient's history. Looking a little bit closer at the ECG, you actually see the opposite progression across the precordial leads than what you'd expect. There's big R waves in V1, and then they get smaller as you go to V6. Put that all together, and what you've got is actually a mean suspicion for dextrocardia. The P wave is going the wrong direction, and then you have a right-to-left march of the QRSs over the precordium. And dextrocardia is exactly what this case was. They did another ECG with mirrored leads and found a normal sinus rhythm with complete right bundle branch block. So again, the clues that a funny ECG might be a right-sided heart are a right-axis deviation of the P wave, that's flipped P waves in AVL and lead 1, and a positive in AVR, as well as QRS complex activation reversal, which is diminishing voltage from V1 to V6. In Spoonful, it's not likely to come up very often, but just keep this in your toolbox if ever an ECG isn't making much sense to you and might have some negative P waves. All right, guys, let's wrap up. What did we cover from this week? From the fourth article, while it's unlikely anyone except the researchers were blinded, I'd say that if you have it on hand, vapo coolant could make digital blocks a little bit more pleasant for your patient. And then finally, from the fifth article, we reviewed some findings that could point to the diagnosis of dextrocardia on ECG. A right access to the P wave and QRS complex activation reversal with diminishing voltages from V1 to V6. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org. The newsletter is, of course, the best way to make the podcast into a nice bite-sized nugget of space repetition. If you notice that you only heard two of the five articles that we cover and you'd like to hear more, well, you can always come join us at the members' feed. Our goal here is to provide better patient care through spoon feeding, and so we're trying to help you keep up with the latest research, one spoonful at a time. Thank you.